The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Everybody, welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports NFL Podcast. I'm Bill Brinson, I'm your host, and it's a Tuesdays with Brady. Pew, 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 pew. It's actually Wednesday. What's today though, Will? Wednesday. Tuesday okay. days. I, I always make that mistake too. I know. Uh, you know what? Tuesday and Wednesday during the NFL season is really just sort of this like, of like, whatever, you know? Because it's like yeah. Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Sunday. Soon we'll have Saturday football. Not uh, really excited about it. I, I don't say, like I Saturday NFL this. football. Uh, Wednesday, you usually get the, the, the initial injury report because mm. that's when guys practice for the first time during the week. So um, that's that gives you a little bit of of something to talk about if there's a significant injury. Oh. Like today, I mean, like today, we, we had have something to talk about. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, we we we, we had a, a watch. Let's Rogers get into just, it. Rogers just, Rogers let's get into it. Let's get into the football talk a minute into this show. Let's not even dally around. Let's dive right in. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Who else would we talk about? Aaron Rodgers. The Jets officially activated his 21-day practice window to return from the injured reserve. What this means is that he has 21 days to practice. It's pretty self-explanatory, but just in case people don't know. Yep. He, he, he can be evaluated by the Jets over the next 21 days and practice with the team um, and still count as an IR guy, which is key yeah, because roster spot. He, doesn't, he doesn't take up a roster spot, but he's allowed to practice yep. with them. They can evaluate him. And at any point in that 21 days, if the Jets – and they have to do it by what, Saturday at midnight maybe? Yep. Saturday, Saturday at midnight, they can activate him, and usually it's around Saturday afternoon if they do it. You saw that with Jonathan Taylor uh, recently. You'll see it with Jeff, Justin Jefferson next week. But they can activate him at any point, and he can play for them, meaning Aaron Rodgers could, in fact, come back this year on a scale of 1 to 10. Yeah. Deuce, as, the, as our resident Jets expert, um, how Jets. likely, how likely do you think it is that Aaron Rodgers comes back? 10 being like guaranteed he's coming back. 10 being like he's he's like he's starting this week 
and a one being this is all a facade designed to give Aaron Rodgers attention and try to motivate the defense to play well enough to steal a game or two and keep them in the playoff race. I'm going to go with a hard two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know Brady's probably surprised by that answer. I mean, just look at it, right? You got to look at it, right? 21-day window. If you look at the three games the Jets have in that 21-game window, right? They have the Falcons at home this week, Texans at home the following week. But it's that third game, right? At the Miami Dolphins on that third game. Like, that would be the game. Now, again, Rodgers could be elevated and come back a week after that. But that would be the game I think a lot of people are circling. I think he even came out and said uh, end of December is where his goal was to potentially come back. He wanted to start practicing around this time. But just from what we've seen from the offense and it being anemic as it is, I mean, will the Jets be able to squeak out three in a row? Because that's the only way it makes sense for Rodgers to come back. Because if they do win three in a row, then they're back in this thing, right? They're back in the thick of the playoff hunt. But if they just drop one of those games, then it's for, it's almost for sure over for the Jets in regards to going to the playoffs. So that's why I put it at a two. I would have put it at a one. But we've seen crazier things, guys, right? We saw just two years ago. Uh, or not even two years ago, last year, Aaron Rodgers, right? How many games did they have to win in a row to get back in the hunt? And then if they just would have won week 18, the Packers would have been in the playoffs, right? So I think they ended up winning like five in a row. Again, Rodgers was quarterback, and that defense was playing a lot better for the Green Bay Packers. So don't be looking they, at me crazy, Brady. Yeah, because they're in <laughs> tough mode this week. It's fair to say that, right? The only way to assure yourself a spot in the playoffs is to win out. you got to get to right. 10. That's the only way to feel like pretty good about your chances at that point, right? Yeah. Uh, given the schedule that you've got ahead of you, because you got the Browns who are going to be uh, um, a wild card contender, the Dolphins obviously right now leading the division, obviously they're a playoff spot contender. The Texans also a playoff contender. Yeah. So when you look at those three in particular, obviously huge matchups in the co- that context. But I think to assure yourself a spot in the playoffs, you got to win them all. Now, in regards to Rodgers, I don't know that it matters. To him necessarily, if they're in the playoff hunt or not, I think maybe he just wants to prove to everyone that he can come back in this span of time and do something that we've never seen a professional athlete that I can recall in this short amount of time come back. Mm. So I think maybe that's more the motivating factor than anything else. Um, it is interesting that the commander's game happens to be uh, Christmas Eve. Maybe he wants to give a little early Christmas gift to all those out there who uh, would love to see Aaron Rodgers play for the Jets. So maybe that's kind of where this timeline connects and where it makes some sense to bring him back. But either way, maybe it's about more than that. Maybe it's about him giving Jets fans what they're clamoring for, hoping for, his teammates, his coaching staff, the organization. Um, You know, the last three games of the season, uh, if indeed he comes back at the end of this window, and maybe that's what it's about, just trying to build some momentum into the offseason to, to prepare for 2024. And so I don't know that it matters quite as much whether they're out in the playoff hunt and all that. Maybe he just wants to get in there and play um, and do what he can to the Jets to do. I will say this, though. I am excited for the media there in New York because, you know, it's going to be Rogers, oh look at Rogers as he goes onto the field, he's prancing like a gazelle. Oh it's like Steve Irwin, but I, you don't think so, Will? You're not feeling this right now? Like, oh, that was a little. That was a little. Came British. out of nowhere. Oh, that was a little <laughs> British. Honestly, was that Australian? Yeah, I mean, it, this sounds similar, right? I mean, uh, have, you been, have you been watching Love Island, Australia? Is that what's going oh, on my here? Goodness. No, no, I, I would you love to go to Australia. It wasn't a long trip, but. Still doesn't. It's Rogers Watch. We're watching for Rogers. Yeah, to okay. Come back in it's Rogers Watch. You gotta get. I think it's, you're getting a little deep. Yeah, it's here. It's Rogers. Watch. 
You gotta have that scratchy throat. <laughs> Look at him as he goes around the field. <laughs> have you have you watched um have you watched uh Last Stop Laramie on HBO? It's a uh Dude, it's football season. All right, you can throw it all yeah, exactly. We're not watching anything else other than games and tape and games and everyone's no, football guy. He's a football guy. I didn't watch any football, football. Guy. Hey, bro, I've got to coach soccer right now outside of my normal workout. Sounds like, sounds like something that isn't else. football related to me. Sounds like something that's not football related to me. It's football yeah, so season. Point was, if I'm watching a television, it's it's going to be a sports. It's going to be yeah. college or NFL football. All right. Well, I, I was home. Box, okay. But my mom, we, we my, have, our box is bigger. Leger can, can attribute that. He's mom, also watching all my mom. That's the only thing I'm watching is football. Right we now. don't want to hear about your mom, Will. My mother, the Reverend Ann Brinson over Thanksgiving. My parents were in. Indonesia, as you guys know, they came back and they were like, you know, it's like a 48 hour travel window and they were loopy as hell. And like my mom, like got on this thing where she was like roasting everybody. It was just like, like uncorking. She was like, Will sucks at picking movies. I was like, what the hell mom? Oh my God. So I was like, I'm finding something great tonight. Um, I picked last stop at Laramie, which is this HBO. What's that? What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie is probably Fletch. That's that's it. That's what you're gonna stick by. What's your what's your favorite? He's <laughs> gonna that we're well, gonna stick by. First off, bad question. It should get your genre. Like Leger, what's your favorite comedy movie? Oh, Harlem Nights. Not even close. Oh, okay. All right, that's solid. I mean, Fletch. <laughs> I, I guess I'll give you that. Will if that if that's what you want. <laughs> give me Fletch. Fletch is an all time movie. Uh, but the point being is, Last Stop Laramie is a documentary on HBO about a it's a a town in Australia that has eleven people. Talking about Wyoming. No. 11 people, 11 people live there. 11. So, some of us watch college football, understand. Some of us understand but, where, where it's at. This, this was a, on like a Wednesday night, and my parents wanted to watch something. They wouldn't, do, they wouldn't watch the NBA. Sorry. Um, <laughs> they were like, hey, do you guys want to watch some action? They're like, no, pick a movie, dude. That's a, nothing wrong with some good action, man. I love action, but my parents aren't junkies like that. <laughs> they, watch, they watch the NFL. Anyway, the point being is there's 11 people that live in this town in Australia. It's all your fault for bringing up an Australian accident. And one of them gets murdered or disappears. So one of 10 people down under <laughs> that could have done other it. There's only nine other sus. There's only, a, what, nine exactly. other Exactly. <laughs> but, no, like, but there's no body. He just disappears. It's actually a really interesting. Highly recommend you check it out. Uh, and this has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers, except that Brady was like, oh, crikey. Look at Aaron Rodgers coming across the field. I, just, I, would, love to see, I would love to see one of those videos like put together, you know, because it wasn't there like a one done about the honey badge. Like do that with like Rogers coming back though. Here's the honey badger. He's one of the weirdos. We're gonna monitor and see how he's how he's moving, how healthy he is. Is he back to his habitat on the football field and dissecting things? Have you ever seen the one where uh, what kind of animal is it that's chased by like thousands of snakes up the up the uh, like across the? It's the it's, it's like, like the, the mongoose. Or something, it's right? the mongoose, right? He's like, mongoose, and the unsuspecting yeah. mongoose isn't aware that there are 10,000 rabbit pythons about to eat it. And he like takes <laughs> off running. You're like, ah! <laughs> it's like so anxiety filled. Um, anyway, uh, I think it's cool that Rogers might come back and, um, and play. But uh, I think the bigger concern is like, what if he, what if he comes back and he like gets hurt again? Yeah, that's the that's, that's the thing. So he went on he went on Pat McAfee's show and said we have to be in contention. I know Brady. It would make sense just knowing the competitor that Rodgers is to say like right. I want to 
do something that nobody said I could ever do or even think about doing. I mean, he's kind of already defeated that feat, right? As far as like being on the the sideline pregame and then throwing pregame, like literally a month after having Achilles injuries. Like Brady, we've known guys that have had Achilles tear. They're usually still on that little tricycle like a month out, right? This dude was on the field taking half drop steps, which to me, I've never seen. Yeah, Yeah. so like to me, he's kind of already all the naysayers and everything. He's kind of already defeated that notion as far as being able to just do the bare minimum um, in that allotted time frame. But playing in a a game, Brady, you know, this this is a whole nother animal, right? Especially, I heard you talk about this earlier on HQ, talking about the the field turf at MetLife, right? Uh, That's where he tore his Achilles. Talking about being back on that field, not fully healed. Offensive line has been, you know, has struggled this year. Do you really want to put yourself at that risk if the Jets aren't currently in the playoff race? Well, and Leggett, you can speak to this. How many guys have torn up their knee, their Achilles? I mean, on that turf. My ankle was never the same. I, I hurt my ankle on that turf, and it's never been the same. I have ligament but damage. I have necrosis. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you, if you look at it right, Raheem Mostrid, uh, I believe, messed his knee up. Nick Bosa tore ACL there. Jimmy G? Uh, Jimmy G uh, ended up having season injury. I would think an ankle injury there. I think it was hyperextended, hyperextended some, or maybe yeah. hyperextended or something like that. So uh, it's uh, Jalen Phillips just tore his Achilles there. We saw Aaron Rodgers tear his Achilles there. So it's been multiple guys. And I, and I remember when MetLife was first built, and I played there, I want to say, in 2011. Um, that's where I hurt my ankle. I got cut block on an ankle, and my, like, my other foot was stuck in the ground. And I've had that ankle issue ever since then. And I still have it today. So Are you serious? Yeah. Um so I think that's so that, underrated. I think that's so underrated, like how like how long these injuries linger with you. Like Brady, you and I have talked about this. Like you have like I mean, I mean, I know it's I, I just don't I don't think that like the average football fan is thinking about how like an ankle injury, like you're dealing with it. What like Brady, your list Frank surgery life. you had that you yeah, had middle of my foot for life, dude. Like exactly. I'm not sure for life goes <laughs> off the middle detector at the I, airport. Like, I, well, <laughs> Brady, I know that because we do the podcast. I'm trying to bring light to your suffering as a former athlete because I'm guessing you know that like not everyone in this podcast is like, oh, of course, Brady Quinn has metal in his foot. Everyone Brady, knows that. Let me give you a great quote to live by. Okay, it's by the one legendary Lou Holtz. All right, I think. It goes some along the lines of like please 90% say Lou Holtz's of, voice. Please say I was Lou wondering Holtz's if he was going to do. That. I can't. I can't. I, I don't even. I can't do a good Lou Holtz impression. Ninety percent <laughs> of people in the world don't care about your problems. The other ten percent are glad you have them. So that whole Ooh. gist of that is a hundred percent of the people really That's don't want to hear about you. your problems. All right, and the probably the ten percent you probably you know shouldn't be telling about your problems. Um, I like when people say, "How's it going?" You're like, "I can't complain." Not that anybody would care if I did. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean, who cares if you, you complain all you want? Work hard. I just was trying to be open with that. Oh, fantastic. Couldn't be better. All right. <laughs> exactly. How's the weather? <laughs> sure is sunny out, ain't it? Mm. Awful oh, chilly man. out today, isn't it? All right. What else we got, Will? Uh, turf monster. Let's talk about the turf in general. Let's keep talking about that. We're still going to roll it into injuries, but like how um, – do you, how do you guys feel about the turf? Like, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I, I guess, I guess it's sort of like, I think it's kind of underreported how the NFL and even frankly, the NFL PA. Okay. Go ahead. What, no, let's just stop blaming turf. All right. Okay. Oh, if you look at grass and turf, all right. The data will show you that the, if, the, if the turf is maintained the way it's supposed to, there, the data is not that far off between the two. Okay. Yeah. What we don't ever talk about and should talk about are cleats. The cleats have gotten lighter, cheaper, and I think they're more susceptible to players getting injured. Yeah. 
And that's one thing that like no one ever talks about. Like I'd rather see data dating back to, I think 2012 was the first year that Nike took over as the apparel provider. And I'd love to see the data from that point moving forward to see if we've had an increase in athletes and depending on the type of cleat that they're wearing and, and whether it's a speed cleat or, you know, low top, high top, what have you, I'd rather want, I'd really want to look at that data because I Ooh. feel like you do not seeing quite as much or quite as many of these sorts of injuries back, even dating back to times when we had AstroTurf and obviously Reebok was the supplier then. And Ooh. I don't know because, because what happens is if guys don't have apparel deals with Under Armour or Nike, what have you, they default back to whatever the league's apparel provider yeah. is. So that would be Nike in this case. So most guys don't have apparel deals. So if they don't, they're wearing some sort of Nike cleat. And my issue is, like, I, I feel like that always gets lost when we talk about these injuries is we never yeah. look at the actual shoes they're wearing. And that probably, at least in my opinion, I think plays the biggest role. Every single injury I ever had was a Nike cleat. And, and, and look, I'm not trying to say that all of a sudden, like, Nike is to blame 100% for all of it. But when I think about some of the cleats that I wore and how easily they wore out, how flimsy they were, how I had to have orthotics in them to strengthen the the uh, lower foot plate, like all those things. And Lachey, I don't know if you felt similar, but like, yeah, there's no doubt. Like I'd rather play on grass than on turf. Um, but that being said, I still feel like a, that whatever I'm wearing on my feet is still paramount to whatever service I'm playing on in regards to how my foot feels, bends, and, and, and all that in those situations. Well, I would ask you this, Brady, when you're talking about injuries as far as in the league, not college, right? Or you're talking about college too? I'm talking about both. But I mean, okay. but the data, obviously, you want the, if you're in the NFL, you want the sample size from the NFL. Correct. Because that, yeah. that's specifically what I'm referring to here when you look at the, the data coming from, you know, 2012 afterwards and then before that with Reebok. Well, um, and you know, my, I, I would my, point out. I was just saying, I would point out too, like the one thing that Nike was doing for a long time in the early 2010s was pushing Flyknit as something that they wanted uh, to be like the future of the of the sport because it was you know it was so light it was light breathable you were faster on your feet um, but then you saw like was Zion was he wearing Nikes when he blew out his yeah he, yeah and like he blew out he his shoe and if you, yeah he blew out his tire. if you go to Nike.com/slash/Flyknit you have Nike Flyknit for running now it makes total sense for running. Because you're, right. you know, you're, you're lateral, you're, you're not cutting you're not laterally when you're running. Lateral stuff. Right. Yeah. And if you look at their basketball flying shoes, they've been completely, they've been reinforced completely differently on the outside, which I think is about the lateral cuts and all that, because they were having issues. Um, I think Kobe was, had an issue to, uh, I think Kobe's knee injury when we yeah. got fixed in Germany, that was a, that was a, he was wearing flying when that happened. Um, and then you have their flying for soccer makes total sense. Cause you need a light breathable shoe. You know, you do need to cut, but you're, you Nothing for football anymore, which I think is interesting. They got rid of it for I, I pretty. I mean, it's no, it's not available for football because the football cleat needs to be sturdier because you're just the right. impact is completely different. What? Well, and, then, and just to further that point, the tough part is if you do have an apparel deal, you can't spat right. You can't tape over top of it. You yeah. can't cover <laughs> up the logo. Some some of those times they won't even let you cover up any portion of the shoe because they want to make sure yeah. when you're on TV when you're playing, everyone sees it, and so that becomes then a liability because. You're taping your foot, but then if it loosens up, some guys like to tape their feet and spat and tape over top to create that extra layer of, of restriction to be able to hold it together better. And so that's the other part of, of like the business side of it that sometimes it's not as, not even as safe, uh, even with the way you're going about wearing that cleat because of the rules and how you have to show the logo and everything else. So again, I don't want like Nike to come after me or anything like that, 
I'm just saying. I love Nike. <laughs> love Nike. I love Nike. Don't come after not, us. Not many people have brought this question up. And yeah. I just know from the injuries that I've sustained that it was always a Nike cleat. And every time I say something to someone who's in the know about, they're still like, yep, you're on to something there. And they're like, but they won't say anything. Because they yeah. obviously they know how much Nike's paying them to be the apparel provider for the NFL. There's not really much you can right. say at that point. Yeah, there's there's so much to dive in here. Um, like when me and Brady were in the league, he talked about it. Reebok was the official partner of the NFL, right? So I actually had a Reebok deal my first three years in the league before Nike came over. And um, to this point, right, uh, I wanted to spat but couldn't, right? They actually fined me one game for spatting because I covered the Reebok sign. That's insane. Um, <laughs> but I actually got my ankle injury in a Reebok shoe, and it went out, oh. and, it, and it happened when I wasn't spatted, right? So I was pissed off about that. Um, there was something that Brady said that, that that really resonated with me. He was saying, as far as if you do the research between turf fields and grass fields, right, and if there's actual upkeep. So that's the biggest thing, right, Brady? You know this because you played in a winter city, right? You played in Cleveland. I played in New York yeah. uh, most of my career. When it snows, and I don't think people realize this, and they have to clear off the field of the snow, you know how much rubber is taken off the field? So I want to know, I would love to see the analytics and the data behind that when that happens. Like, I played in the, in, in the AFC East, right? That's Gillette Stadium, which is up there near Ma in Massachusetts. That's Buffalo, and that's MetLife. And then Miami has grass, right? So for a lot of my career, I was playing in those 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 games in the winter. So, like, I mean, Buffalo, when it gets cold and it snows, it's literally like concrete out there trying to cut on there. Same thing with Gillette Stadium. Same thing with MetLife. So, yeah, I know what the analytics and, and the research says is in regards to turf and grass fields but i would love to see in specific months late november all the way through february how that number changes because it's hard to upkeep that field because so much rubber pellet is getting taken off the field because of the snow when they clear the field yeah i mean usually they do a and i've seen them do this before because back when baltimore had uh field turf they would actually do a test so they drop something on to see like the bounciness in the spring and yeah i remember being out there warming up one time when they were testing i was like all right that's at least good to see yeah. Now, granted, I was like, "All right, they're testing it. Are they, I don't see them putting any extra infill size." So Correct. In the test, <laughs> yeah. You know, we never really know. Um, look, we all know that the field service there because it allows them then to do more in that particular service throughout the course of the week, football season, to make more money. You know, Nickelback concerts and whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, or, or Creed, depending on if you're Creed, a sort of like yeah. fan and how that's helped propel that team this year. Mm -hmm. um, but the general point is like, obviously, you're not going to have in many places the ability to have, uh, at least not in a cheap manner, a grass field indoors, which we had, we know a lot of stadiums, especially up north, they want to be able to put, you know, in, you know, domes. And in order to do that, you're going to have to take, what's the, uh, what's the soccer team that's got the grass field that like that folds out underneath and it's like, they have a whole thing helping to grow the grass. What's the big oh, soccer it's, team? It's Tottenham, isn't it? I don't think it's Tottenham. Oh, maybe it's Manchester Tottenham. United? It's, it's, I think it's wherever Manchester plays maybe. But anyway, one of those fields oh. have this elaborate system it's ridiculously expensive, but they maintain it because their roster is ridiculously expensive. So it's probably yeah. man you. Well, no, I know it is Tottenham because I remember because oh, the NFL yeah. went there, they switched it out and put turf on for the That's football right. players, but then they switched it to the grass for for the soccer players, which made no sense. So, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think some uh, about that was, um, if you're looking right. at like grass in the wintertime, like we all think, oh, it should be softer, right? Well, it depends. Like sometimes, like where it's painted, that stuff freezes. That's actually ice. It's oh, slick. It hurts. <laughs> and, and they've got it. And, but the ground is hard, right? Especially when it freezes yeah. over at certain those frigid temperatures. So, as much as you're making a case leger for, like, hey, how many of those pellets are still there when they brush it off? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're on field surf or grass. At that point, it, it's going to be pretty hard 
pretty rough. I mean, I think when you're in adverse conditions, you're probably more, or I should say less at risk to get injured, depending on the cleat, it doesn't really matter because your footing's not great anyway. And so yeah. you're not applying the same force, you're not cutting as hard, you're not you know, in those situations. So uh, and again, I would just like to see a study and, and the data from the past decade or 11 years since Nike's taken over in comparison to the prior decade or so to see you know how that's played a factor. And look, maybe there's other factors. How spread out the game is now. Guys playing more in space, guys are able to build up more speed, sharper cuts, more aggressive cuts. Maybe that plays a role in it too in, in the way some of these players have ended up hurting themselves uh, with just, again, combined with the cleats and the service they're playing on. All right, let's move to the Minnesota Vikings because mm. we had Kevin O'Connell, Vikings head coach, come <laughs> out and say this uh, after the after the loss. By the way, a uh, lot of teams, six teams a week, 13 buys. You guys prefer a week 13 buy or like a week five hey, buy? Or like yeah. something, something nice in the you middle? that late buy. Whoa, no. No chance. Oh, no, right no. Yeah, right. I mean, you want it in the middle, but I'd rather have it late than early. Yeah, right. Uh, I agree with that. It just it depends on how the schedule plays out. If you have an early yeah. bye and then you've got that Thursday night game like later in the season, you'd much rather that be swapped, right? Like you want an early yeah. Thursday night where you get the little Correct. longer weekend and then you get the late <laughs> bye. Because when you switch it up, like you get the bye too early, it doesn't really help you. And then you yeah. get that late, especially if it's on the road, short week oh, game, yeah. you're, you feel terrible. you're feeling, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what's the most what's the most what's the most entertaining thing y'all ever did on the bye week? That you can legally uh, tell us about. Like, would you like? Uh, fly, I, like I, I remember I flew to uh, Carolina to see my my wife, then my girlfriend, who tore Achilles uh, when she was in World Championships. She literally flew from Japan straight to Carolina uh, to get operated on by Dr. Robert Anderson. And I literally flew oh, from Charlotte, to Charlotte, the surgery. Yeah. yeah. Or excuse me, Charlotte. Yeah. What am I saying? Um, I, I literally look at you and I say Carolina. I don't know why. Um, I know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this Dr. Robert Brinson operated on her and frankly, yeah. really screwed now, her up. Actually, the funny thing is, he's actually now in Green Bay because he saw I saw him from my ankle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He moved back up there. So anyway, he um, he's like the best. That's who everyone goes to. That's how I, I got consulted with him for my foot. He is he is defeat what uh, what Dr. James Andrews is to uh, ACLs. That's correct. That's how he's looked at for foot and ankle. So, yeah. and it, I mean, that was like probably the most entertaining thing I've ever done over the course of a bye, which isn't saying much. And I, I do wow. remember at that time, like people like uh, give me flack for like for doing that. I was like, well, what else would you expect me to do? You know, you know like, you're not supposed to have life. It's all football, Brady. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I thought you'd be watching movies with your parents or something. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, I always just went back. I just went back home. I never really did anything. I know. I've, I know some guys that have went to like the islands or Mexico. I just was always nervous about getting back on time, especially if you had a, a buy like in November, December with all the weather issues, especially flying up to New York. I was like, I ain't want to chance that. So well, remember when, um, remember when, uh, the, the Cowboys had a buy for the, in the playoffs and Tony, our colleague, Tony Remo and, and Jason Witten. And at that time, Tony Remo was dating Jessica Simpson and they went down to like the Caribbean. They went to, they yeah. went to Cabo and then Cabo. Romo, like nah, Romo dropped the hold on the, on the, on the, on the field goal or the extra point against the Seahawks and they lose. Everybody's like, it's cause he was in Cabo with Jason. <laughs> and he was getting Cabo Wabo. He was still thinking yeah, about what he, exactly. he wasn't focused. Jessica Simpson got him drunk <laughs> and took away. It's like, what are we doing here? This is, if this guy played for any other team, no way would care. Except maybe the Giants. That is one of the yeah. biggest misnomers I think, as far as like players, like I know guys who like would, you know, break curfew, go out before the night before the game. They come in a ball. Like, exactly. 
like, like they could do that. Like I could not do that. I was not that guy. So I mean, uh, Lawrence Taylor won MVP as a defensive player, and he was like apparently on all kinds of stuff the entire time. (laughs) Some guys like that was just how they live. That's the vibe they need to get in. You know, like I don't. You know, it is what it is. As long as they knew knew what they were supposed to do when they got out there and they performed, you can't really say anything about it. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the, I'm worry. All right, so anyway, I, I derailed that with two, like, the bye week and the stuff talk. But, like, the, the Vikings are on their bye, and Josh Dobbs is – um <laughs> he uh, might be on a permanent bye. Yeah, do, do you think he, – yeah, Okay, four, can go back? Can I ask this question? Yeah. Like, what, three of the interceptions were tipped? I know, like, everyone made a big deal about it, but I was like, come yeah, on, man. Like, I would say one. Oh, it was more than that. Well, one I, went right I mean, through Addison um, sure. Addison's hands. One went right through his hands. Yeah, yeah. The one got tipped the line of scrimmage. Like there was, it was more than the one. One to the like, flat. There was, there was no excuse for that one. That was yeah. That was the bad. One. That was the bad. <laughs> yeah. But it's like everyone made a big deal about him. I'm going. Hold on a second. The guy just got there. Like he does he yeah. get no? Well, I like, mean, no room for error. Well, yeah. Well, that. But well, that's the thing, right? And they they put you on a pedestal, and they, they can't wait to knock you off. And that's the thing. Like when he came there, we can talk about this, Brady. You know this when. You don't have film on a guy. A guy can tend to have success, right? Uh, first couple of weeks, he's just out there playing free. I think the last two weeks, guys have kind of seen him in the Vikings uniform for a few weeks. They kind of know how to plan against him. To your point, tip balls, you can't really do anything. Those change games, as we saw in that game last week versus Chicago Bears. But if we go back, I think it was the Denver Broncos, too. A couple questionable throws in that game as well. And the thing is, people just – you know, it was like the Cinderella story with Josh Dobbs, right? And uh, I think people tend to forget, yes, he was winning a few games, but let's not forget at Arizona, like he started off hot, but then was having a turnover issue yeah. there too, right? And it, I think it says something that a team not only traded for you, but they were willing to trade you again after trading for you. Now, again, Brady, anytime you get draft capital, you definitely want to do that, right? Because they yeah, did it, draft. It's a little different, though. Guy. It's a little different because they knew Keller was coming back. You know, so they, they yeah. really only had to get through one week. And but he was coming off an ACL, so you don't think they'd want to keep Josh Dobbs just in case something happened? No, I mean, drafted I mean they did. They draft, drafted Clayton Toon, but still. Yeah. I mean, I'd put it this way. Like, you know, I think he got them through a portion of the season. And, and look, we can say whatever we want about what happened after the first four games or so. He cooled off. But, like, the Arizona Cardinals offense didn't look as good this past week versus the Rams. Like they've kind of cooled off since Kyler's come back. So yeah, I, I just, I would defend him in this sense. Like he's done something that I don't think any quarterback would ever want to ever, <laughs> ever. Look at the success of the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Man. They played in one system their entire career. Correct. I mean, maybe with the exception of Peyton when he first got to Denver or like the Kubiak year where they changed it up a little bit um, mm-hmm. when they won the Super Bowl. But like, if you're going to have success, it helps to be in the same system your entire career. So you're not concerned about learning all the language and the nuances, how you're communicating it. You know it. It's about seeing what they're doing across the field from you. So I just he's been able to do a tremendous job of learning an offense, being able to go out there and execute to a certain degree. And I think the tough part is, is like he's made some plays to help win them games. Like they're two and two. Technically, I guess they're one and two because he didn't start. It was hard. He didn't start the one game. Help yeah. Like my thing is like we can keep looking at these breakdown and stats, but the truth of the matter is, like, he's helped win them games. And, at, look, they, maybe they can bring in Nick Mullins, whatever else. Like, I think the logic for what they're going to try to do is this. If Jefferson's back, they know how big of a difference he can be as a wide receiver. So they want to make sure there's someone who's comfortable with the offense is going to run the offense. I think Brady froze up there a little bit. But uh, he was saying that the the comfort in terms of the uh, like running the offense. I also think, too, when you look at – like, the Bears' defense – 
Sorry, Brady, we lost you there for a second. But the Bears' defense has been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. Montez Sweat, yeah. nice addition. Uh, they've gotten a, they're much better at rushing the passer. They've been good against the run for I've most of the really year. Really good against the run. Really good against actually, the run. They might be the best in the league against the run. Yeah, and, and I think, too, like, you look at what Minnesota did late in that game. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell got really conservative on offense at the oh, end. That pissed and then me Brian off. Flores didn't even blitz. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, look, it's like despite how he played, they still had a chance to win. And I think yeah. the point I was going to make was, you know, Justin Jefferson is one of the best players in the NFL. So if you've got him and he's back, you want to utilize him. And they know that right. every time they go out to play, how teams play him is largely going to dictate what they're going to do offensively. So you want to make sure that you've got a guy back there, a quarterback, who understands the offense, knows how to get him the ball, is going to run exactly how Kevin O'Connell wants. I mean, yeah. I think what, what was the, the touchdown where um, – Dobbs kind of scrambled out to the left and like jumped into the end zone. I yeah. remember seeing on on um, the TV copy, you saw Kevin O'Connell just kind of go, you know, like yeah, pretty much, <laughs> but it, but it wasn't like it wasn't how it was supposed to be run. Correct. And I think as a play caller, especially one of the better ones in the league, like Kevin O'Connell is, you're going to go back and watch that tape and go, man, there's plays we're leaving out there, yeah. and we, you know, and he, unfortunately, like he's not going to be able to come along fast enough to execute the way we'd like him to. And, and they didn't have Mullins over there, so they had to go to Hall. Now they do have Mullins. So if, if that's the move they make, like I guess you can understand it because they traded for Mullins too. Um, yeah. But I think Dobbs has done a heck of a job, man. I and mean, he helps make some things go right for sure. Well, you talked about this, right? I mean, learning three different offenses, especially at the quarterback position, is unheard of. And to do it, Brady, not even in a full calendar year. Like that's unheard of for him to do that. And another point that you really made – even though he struggled throughout that game, he still gave them opportunity to win at the end, right? They had – he took the lead back. And then, to your point, Will, I was screaming at the TV. Like, you throw a screen pass on third and seven. Like, my thing is, the dude's already thrown four picks, so I get you maybe being conservative. But if you have a chance to end the game in yeah. regulation, give him something easy, some rub brows. Give him something over the middle of the field, right, Brady? Like, for you to – I felt like Luke Getz, he took the play calling over for Kevin O'Connell. In that scenario, and had that play call dialed up because I'm like, Luke Getzey threw about 30 screens in that game for Justin Fields, and it was it was awful. For I just didn't see Kevin O'Connell making that same mistake. He did, and it ultimately cost him because Justin Fields made a big throw over the middle to, to DJ Moore and essentially won the Ripped game. Ripped that thing so, too. Yeah. So my, my thing is, I'm with you, Brady. I, I I think I do think the Cinderella story is over, but I do think Josh Dobbs gives them an opportunity to compete to to maybe try to backdoor their way into the playoffs if they decide to stick with him. Um, I just think that Kevin O'Connell could have helped him a little bit at the end because to your point, when we talked about um, when um, Ken Dorsey got fired, right? If they don't have 12 men on the field, does Ken Dorsey get fired? If Josh Dobbs completes a pass over the middle of the field on third and seven and they get a first down and win the game, are we talking about Josh Dobbs being benched? No. So, like, I think the play caller could have helped him in that scenario. I will say this, though, in defense of any coach, if if you do get a win and you still look at yourself critically in the mirror and you think you mm. can improve and you make a change, whether it's with a coach or player, like like that to me is like the utmost um I said I think self-awareness, oh for sure, all that. Yeah. Like I, I have a lot more respect for guys who aren't gonna use the result, all right, as a, a means for how they're gonna make a decision. They're gonna sure. they're gonna look at the entire process and be like, look, we just feel like this is gives us the best chance to win. And hopefully that's what this is about. And, and again, Josh Dobbs has been the best story to me the entire season. He should look. He should win comeback player of the year. Yeah, now the only person that could throw a wrench in that is if, if Rodgers goes back. 
Oh, oh Rodgers. Oh. Look, I understand the DeMar Hamlin storyline. And this yeah. is no disrespect. It was an incredible, you know. Since we're talking like futures, we're going to talk leaders. Anyway, let's, let's take a break when we come back. Why <laughs> Josh Dobbs might not, might not win. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just to put a bow on that conversation we started about Josh Dobbs, I agree with you. I, I said before the season, Tamar Hamill was like minus 350 to win Comeback Player of the Year award. And like, I understand the sentiment, but he doesn't play. Yeah, exactly. Like he got out there as almost sort of a, I don't want to call it ceremonial, but it was like, you know, I mean, I mean, look, look, he came, he came back from. Yeah, literally. <laughs> he came back. He came back. All right. But like, I think to me in the like the like the and the award has gone all over the place from injuries. Philip Rivers got it just from throwing a bunch of interceptions. Mark Sanchez got it from being bad year. one year. Well, I was just gonna say, like, is there a criteria for it? Because no, that's the question. There's some not. people say, like, hey, why isn't Russell Wilson up for it? Which I thought was like, Whoa, like that sure. makes a lot of sense. It's phenomenal, but like, did I miss something? He hit hurt last year, or like how do we go? Like, I don't you, even know how they define the award anymore. Rivers won it in 2013 because he had like a bunch of picks in 2012. It's not it's not from injury necessarily. Um, yeah, Gino didn't play and he won it last year. Yeah, Gino just came back before. from being benched. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, or getting punched when you with the. Oh god. Um, yeah, sorry. Anyway, uh, were you there for that, Lachey? Were you? I was there for that. Were you? Were you there? Were you? There, were you like there for it? Yeah, I was in the locker room when it happened. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Do, you get, do you get asked about that a lot, like way too much? All the time. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say yeah, yeah. is I'm, I'm, I am happy for my guy, Gino, man. I, yeah, I, think I love Gino. So and he'll tell you this. He's grown a lot from that scenario. Um, ultimate leader now in Seattle. I think all those guys in the locker room look to him on offense. Uh, they got a, a heck of a schedule coming up. Um, so uh, starting week. starting tomorrow, <laughs> right, versus the Cowboys. Um, but I think they. I still think they find a way to get in. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's gonna be close. They got a tough schedule. All right. Let's, uh, yeah. we'll play follow. Oh, it, Brady, you want to, yeah, we'll play follow later because we got, look at, just look at the time. I got yeah. distracted by your dazzling shirt. Oh, God. Um, who will lead the NFL in rushing yards? Christian McCaffrey is in the A, leading in the NFC, Raheem Mostert leading in the AFC. Probably not a total coincidence coincidence that both guys in the Kyle Shanahan running scheme, right? Like that's it's gonna probably I think it's McCaffrey for two reasons. One, the system, that's part of it. That's the it is office they run, they run everything through him. And two, what they're paying him. Like they yeah. took him on, they're gonna be they're paying him a lot of money. Like I think you want to get as many touches as you possibly can. And he might be the MVP or at least should be up for it. 
So the offensive player of the year. Well, now what would be I tell you, be interesting is if we don't have a clear cut MVP, and I think Jalen Hurts is like probably going to get it because a combination of last year and this year. But like, what if it? Well, what if we get to the end of the year and there's no clear cut quarterback who's MVP, and you and Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey are both like worthy of the offensive player of the year? You might just give one of them an MVP. And you get Christian McCaffrey accepting it. I would say AJ Brown should be in a conversation as well too. That's good point. But Um, but imagine like on stage how that looks at the NFL awards. You know, McCaffrey accepting it, Olivia Culpo, you know, right next to him and all that. Yeah, (laughs) it's like the time uh, Aaron Rodgers won MVP. And we were backstage um, doing uh, like reporting, being journalists, and uh, you know, t- writing stories about the awards at the NFL Honors and taking photographs and all that. And Olivia Munn was back there with Aaron Rodgers. It was very like, oh, oh, hey, hey. She's hot stuff back then, man. You were like this. You're like, oh, hey, oh, there's a good funny Shane Gillis bit about that too. He's like, yeah, see, here's uh, all lefty yeah. steps to the plate. <laughs> I digress. Uh, That's a good one. I watched it the other day. It's hilarious. We tried to make my dad watch it. He's like, no, I'm good now. Like, oh, I forgot about that part. Um, flipping the defense, Deron Bland already set the record for most pick sixes in the season. Shout out Cowboys defense and fantasy. Will he Ooh. finish with the most interceptions in the league? He has seven. Gino Stone with six. Paulson Adebo has four, along with Jesse Bates, who uh, had a, a pick six on Sunday. Cam Taylor, Adebo. Jordan Whitehead, also with four. Does Deron Bland win the interception crown? Uh, oh, yes. He's going to win it. It's not even close. He's going to win it because, <laughs> in part, not only their defense and their pass rush, forcing the ball out, but their offense can get up on teams. Right? Yeah, right. So from behind, throwing balls, you know, maybe his way. The only problem is, is like, you get a little concerned now, like our team's going to stop throwing at him. Because he's been so good, if he oh, is going to throw at Gilmore, like, they tried like, that on Sunday. It didn't it didn't work on Thursday when they tried? How would you throw it either? You just look for another match. <laughs> someone else. You know, he's going Jordan right? Lewis like, in the slot, which the Seahawks need to do on yeah. uh, tomorrow. But like several of the several of the interceptions, I noticed. I really do have the Cowboys defense in like fantasy in a ton of leagues, and like several of these picks of the Panthers pick, the um and the and the Commanders pick. It was like the game was over. It was already over. <laughs> Over junkyard, and, he j- and like they're just you know, the quarterback's not even thinking, he's just getting out quick, and he's just squatting on these routes and housing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, that's the thing to Brady's point, right? When you're the Cowboys offense, and, and they've been unbeatable at home, so it should be an interesting game tomorrow. When you're up by 20 something points, we as defensive linemen we're putting our ears back, so like the corners are going to be a little bit more aggressive. They usually teach you to, to play a little bit soft in coverage, but if you the Cowboys play a lot of man coverage, but if they're playing two man where they got help over the top. Those corners can sit on everything, Will. So that's exactly what happened in the Commanders game. I mean, Sam Howell was a little late on the outbreaking route. And, Brady, you know this. If you're late on outbreaking routes, the ball's going the other way, especially if Deron Bland's over there. So I think he, I think Geno Stone is a sneaky one. Um, he's been a ball yeah. hawk at the safety that's position. Same thing with the, the Baltimore Ravens, right? They're usually either up or they're in close games. And the way that they schematically do things with Mike McDonald, like – he can fool you back there, right? And Geno Stone has just been the perfect piece for them. Um, Kyle Hamilton's kind of really solidified that nickel spot for them. But Geno Stone has been their ball hawk in that in that secondary. Yeah, I was trying to look to see harder to work away from at times, right? Because of the yep. way they can move around and, and the different things they can do. I was trying to look to see where uh, Duran Bland would rank on receiving yards in the, in the league. Well, right I'll now. say this: we haven't talked because we didn't do a show last week. 
that was like one of the most exciting things that I've watched uh, on Thanksgiving. Oh. Like I was, I was rooting for him. Like as soon as it happened, I was like, yes, yes. I was like, yeah, go, yeah. go. And that was amazing by Jim Nance. Hell of a call. Nance, Nance, Nance had that. Brad. He's like, history's made. I, well, that's and I was looking at everyone's like, what are you cheering about? Uh, like money on the, the Cowboys? Like that's no, literally like, history. You're yeah. never gonna see that probably in our lifetime. Like that's gonna be so hard to see someone replicate that. Yeah, unless this turns into flag football, like that's and, that's and, only and what made it so great is he had to make two guys miss. It wasn't just like it was open yeah. field; like he had to make a receiver and the quarterback. Like yeah, yeah, they had to have like a nice return. Uh, yeah, they should they should utilize him like on offense. Honestly, like he's got moves. Yeah. Get the ball in his hands. All right, speaking of offense, let's talk about. He's got moves. He's got <laughs> Brinson Colin. He's got moves. Um, back on offense. Receiving yards, lots of players vying Ooh. for the title in the AFC. Of course, Tyreek Hill, 13-24 behind him. Keenan Allen at 11-17. And then the AFC, NFC side of things, wow. excuse me, you have CeeDee Lamb at 1,066, AJ Brown at 1,050, and DJ Moore at 1,003. I'm on St. Brown hanging around there at 993. Um, Stephon Diggs probably too far back to make a run on, on Tyreek Hill there. I mean, pretty sure it's going to be Tyreek Hill, but He's been a little dinged up. I could guess you could make a case. He still for, plays every week. Yeah, he's he's, he's like low key way tougher than like you would. Think. I mean, oh, he, he, he just looks like stuff. a running back. Yeah, um, I would go with uh, CD and Tyreek if I were picking him, only because. Um, yeah, but Tyreek's gonna win it. I mean, no, no, I mean, I, yeah, I, I was picking AFC and NFC, but yeah, Tyreek's gonna yeah, win. Yeah, no, just bang cool. for your buck, putting yeah, a little bit right. on CD. Well, you got to well, look at it. Uh, people were talking about the Seahawks schedule. The Cow- Have you guys looked at the Cowboys schedule going down the stretch? Probably, but it's, I forgot. They got the Eagles, Bills, Seahawks, um, and the Lions still. Mm. Yeah, it's forgot it. <laughs> but, but but that also means that like they're going to be throwing up the ball a bunch in theory. Have, oh, and, and the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. But those, <laughs> but the Dolphins, the Dolphins and the Bills defenses, and the Lions defenses. Like the Cowboys are going to win some people some fantasy leagues with fifteen weeks, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Bills, Dolphins, and Lions. Those are scoring teams. Like those yeah. teams will score on you, and you're going to have to score on them. So uh, I, th- I see all those are big play, time I shootouts. I wouldn't play the Cowboys defense against the, that gauntlet, though. I know. I get the Cowboys <laughs> defense, of well, I mean, Deron Bland. They're hard to sit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think CD Lambs is, uh, could potentially catch Tyreek Hill, but unlikely with the, the lead he's got. Um, and they got the commanders and the Titans in the, the next two I, weeks, which could be well, big. I'll say this, because right? AJ Brown, this think, go ahead. Who, who's more likely to sit out week 18? AJ, yeah, exactly. Be the difference. And it's probably the Dolphins, I'd say at least the way that division's shaking out. Yeah. Because if they run away well, with it, there's no need to play. And the well, Dallas if Cowboys, they're vying for the number one seed, there's a reason to play, though. Yeah. I, I I know they're tied record wise. I just I have a hard time believing like they're going to end up being the team vying for it. I feel like Jacksonville, KC, probably have a better chance of that. But I mean, look, maybe we'll see. But I, I think Dallas is the one that, if you look at their division, it's be hard to win it with Philly's lead right now. Yeah, it's I, tough, especially with I, their schedule coming up yeah. too. Right. Well, I think, so, so I think Philly's Philly's likely to sit, sit guys in Week 18, especially with Hurts being banged up. And you know they saw like they they would have loved to do it last year, they couldn't. AJ Brown, so he he's probably sitting. And then if you watch what Miami's done, they've been really cautious about pulling guys out, sitting Devin yeah. at, at HN. Um, you know Jalen Phillips gets hurt, so now you you really want to be cautious about that. So would not be surprised at all if they were if they sat guys in week if if they were clinched the two three or if they were locked into the three or four spot, 
and it didn't matter whether they were going to be three or four, maybe they considered doing it. Cause at that point you really have to host, you have to get to the, the championship game to, to, host, to even get a right. If you're the three seed, Three versus four seed. God, this I love is- when you do this. <laughs> I love when you think out loud on the podcast. We go this down this wormhole. Wait, wait, wait three, hold on. Who's, who's it three <laughs> to four? Uh, uh, no, I, I think ultimately, like the only things you can guarantee yourself of is like who's the best position to win your division. Yeah, yeah. Probably. My I'm opinion. just. I'm saying that like if you, yeah, if you. If you're the one seed, that's huge because you have home field advantage throughout the playoffs to get a bye, obviously. The two seed is huge, too, because you are going to have home field advantage except for the conference championship game. But the three versus the four is 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 not is not negligible, it's but it is it's negligible. Is it negligible? It would depend on a matchup in that case. Here's the other thing is the personality of the head coaches. Yeah. Is Mike McCarthy going to sit those players if they are in that scenario you're talking about? Or has he been yeah. more apt to play guys in the past? The same thing with Mike plays McCann, guys. who's obviously a little different situation, yeah. but – uh, I think McCarthy plays them typically more often. And he does. You know, Mike McDaniel, I don't know if you would. I mean, would you really risk Tua going out there given that? No. You know, or or Tyreek Hill. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Unless, unless Tyreek was like going for, so, unless he was going for the receiving record, then you yeah, might roll Or out like there. he had a chance at 2000. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Um, sacks. 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 We know who it's going to be. Mean, who are you going to say? I'm gonna say Miles. I mean, Miles Garrett does have the shoulder, but I still think it's gonna he's be Miles banged Garrett. up right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might say TJ Watt because they're. I mean, he's already up there above him. Yeah. I mean, I'll I throw out Micah Parsons for the same reasons I mean, we said. Deron Bland's getting thrown on. He's gonna see a lot of dropbacks with this. You know, in these shootouts. He's yeah. We'll see. Um, I will say this: we talked about comeback player of the year. Khalil Mack should be in that list too. Mm, that's a good look. I like that. Kayvon Thibodeau coming on like team this year, Brady. <laughs> yeah, six and one, six and one game. Josh, there. Allen, Josh Allen's an interesting one because when they come, they come in bunches, and that's yeah. a team. If you look the schedule the rest balling. of the way, yeah. they could be up on some teams, and he'd be balling. And I don't. He, know, Will, he, get, he gets Will Levis again, so that's like five more. Um, oh, <laughs> come on, that's not sure, nice. But they, got, oh, they, they also, but they also got the Ravens and Browns, and they're going to run the football. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, if you're down, right. though, you, you know? I don't think the, well, they play at the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens will be down that game. Who's going to lead the league in forced fumbles? Move on. <laughs> I have no idea. Whoever leads the no league idea. in sacks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't know if Harry, I don't know if Harry has the – oh, good. Harry's the man. He's got it up. Trent McDuffie with five. Would I, Bradley that's, Chubb. See, that's, that's, Bradley, that's saying something for a DB to be leading the league in forced fumbles. Yeah. Shout out to Bradley Chubb having a great year. Let me let me make a play for Josh Metellus. He's not on this. He should be. I feel like he basically oh, he, made, yo, he's balling. He, he made someone from the Bears fumble. Like if he has three so far, he basically had all three of those this past Monday night. Because like every single <laughs> yeah. time he was on the football, I was knocking it out. He was. Bradley Chubb having a really good year, by the way. Yeah, he is. He's bounced back nicely. Yeah, yes. Come back. Maybe he's come back player of the year. Uh, just kidding. All right, let's take a break. When we come back. We'll cruise, we'll mosey on down to Jerry's world. We'll drink some blue, Johnny Walker blue. We'll talk about mosquito circumcisions. And we'll preview the Seattle Cowboys Thursday night football game next. So dudes looked at me like I was insane when I suggested talking about mosquito circumcisions with Jerry Jones. Uh, But that reminds me that you can actually go back and read an article I wrote in 2016 um, when Tony Romo was still on the Cowboys. And... Jerry Jones appeared on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and was asked about what's the plan 
for uh, bringing Tony Romo. What's the plan for Tony Romo? To put him on injured reserve or to, you know, what were they going to do? And Jerry Jones said, "There." Uh, let's see, what is the full quote? Yes, he said, there is no use circumcising the mosquito on this. There's no oh, one good goodness. enough to take the last roster spot. That is apparently an uh, text. Texarkana style, Texas style saying, circumcising the mosquito. Texarkana. All right. And I get off on a complete tangent because I know we want to go at the preview real quick. I am curious. We got to the preview faster than usual, so that's good. Okay. Mark Cuban selling off his equity Ooh. stake to the Adelson family. Still mm. maintains operational involved. And shares. It's pretty incredible, like, what he bought that franchise for, what he's built it into. And there's a lot of speculation at, at 65, like, what he's going to do next. But – Run for it president? did make me think about Jerry Jones yeah. and John Hamlin. Like at what point, based on all the money they've made, what they've built this into, would they be willing to sell off maybe a majority stake of it to someone who wants to get into it for Buku's dollars and maybe still maintain a minority stake or something else? But I don't know. It kind of made me think like, all right, Mark Cuban's getting out. I know Jerry's up there in age. Maybe he wants to, you know, continue on the rest of his life in the position he's in. But some people want to, you know, sell off a portion and maybe do some other things or enjoy life a little bit more, not be as quite intricately involved. But it's probably not the case for him. But well, Stephen well, Jones is, is is probably involved. I assume he's just going to take Jerry's place. And um, you know, William Clay does like I mean, like they, they you know. Is, it, is it, William Clay's the guy, right? Uh, he's basically they're like GM, but he doesn't get any of the credit. It's kind of hilarious how the the, the Jones family does that. Um, do you know how much Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys for in 1989? Was it for it was like was four it? million, right? Sixty. Nah, yeah, you got a, you got the number right, but you're 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 short several digits. Uh, what? One hundred forty million. One hundred forty. Uh, okay. Still, I mean, one hundred forty. Like, 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 but I mean. Jeff Bezos will like overnight you $140 million, like in cash. Like <laughs> you get same day delivery, $140 million, and he doesn't notice. And we'd say it's worth what? I mean, close to 10 billion if it was to sell. Is that fair to say? I, th I think the Cowboys oh, are the most valuable sure. American sports franchise by a They're the most valuable uh, franchise. No, franchise. I don't even think it's American. I think period. Yeah. Are they more valuable than like all the, every side? I didn't, I didn't want to yeah, be. I, uh, think, uh, I think they Forbes. are more valuable than Man U. Wow. That, that I think according to Forbes list. F. Forbes, noted uh, journalism, uh, bastard of journalism. Um, uh, <laughs> he wants to come up with a list every year, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know where they get it, though. It's interesting. Oh, next thing you're going to tell me the rankings don't matter in U.S. news and <laughs> colleges now? I think NC State's a little low on those. Based on, based on my tilted glasses, I think you can see I'm an academic, Brady. Um, yeah. the, uh, no, I think that um, – I, I just didn't want to sound like a stupid American and have like the comments be like, there's 15, you know, uh, premier league franchises worth more than the Cowboys and sound like an idiot. Oh I mean, yeah. I mean like it's, I think you could probably sell for like $10 billion and yeah, there you go. 9 billion current valuation, according to Forbes.com and their proprietary algorithm for determining the value net worth of franchises, which is mostly based on their list from the previous year. Anyway, the Cowboys and the Seahawks are playing on Thursday night. Both teams, of course, played on Thanksgiving. So uh, the NFL has been good about that. If you play, they try to match up these teams that played on Thanksgiving on that Thursday. So somebody's not getting completely screwed by having a short week, and and then the other team had a they they, they do an okay job with it. Um, I mean, they're still screwing both teams. That's two of games, course, yeah, they're getting screwed at some point. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, um, Seahawks <laughs> got absolutely. Cooked by the Niners. 
Yeah. And the Cowboys feasted against on the Commanders' shoddy mm-hmm. defense. Uh, Rams are sitting there trying to steal a playoff spot from the uh, the Seahawks. Is yeah. this a must-win game, Brady, for the Seahawks? Uh, I feel like it is for a few reasons. The first is like just momentum, like coming off that loss to uh, to San Fran. That's kind of part of it. I mean, clearly, the next thing would be if, if you're just talking about like their playoff hopes. Like, yeah, they got they got to right the ship. I think offensively more than anything else. Like that's the thing right. that's kind of concerning is. Do you know it's such a great year last year? And then at times this year, too, you kind of see it. Like they flash. You see what they're capable of. Good. But it's like a breakdown of protection here. It's like a, a misthrow, misread, whatever it is. Um, you know, it's just It doesn't seem like it's always going to be clicking. Not having Kenneth Walker for a period of that's obviously hurt them as well. Defensively, I think, again, same thing. Like at times you're like, man, this defense is it's good. They can match up. They can make plays. It's hard to get a sense for what this team is. And I think in this matchup, the problem that I'm really most concerned with is you'd say you're on the road versus a team that's like completely different team at home. So that practice to cover and as explosive as they're you know what Dallas is going to be in Dallas at home. I can't tell you what Seattle is going to be. Away from it's hard to predict what that team's going to be. So I think yeah, it's it feels like a must win with the way the Rams have continued to play. They got the Browns this week, right? Who we don't even know who the starting quarterback's going to be for the Browns. This <laughs> week. And they're playing much better football since uh, Cooper came back, Puka Nakua, and then now Kyron Williams to the backfield. So like, you're looking at that offense going, yeah, it's a little different than what we thought. So, I, yeah, I think you can make the case it's kind of a must win right now for Seattle. Rams, Rams actually have a higher uh, percent chance to make the playoffs than the Seahawks, despite the Seahawks having a better record yeah. news. Uh, it's, the the it's the I'm schedule, sure. that's why. Yeah. Um, if you look at it, I think what really hurt the Seahawks wasn't even the 49ers game. I did, I just think the 49ers win whole when they're 100% healthy, they make everybody look like that, right? Yeah. Um, the week before when Geno got hurt versus the Rams, right? And even though he got the elbow injury, he still put them in position to win the game. I think they got too conservative at the end of that game and not giving Myers an easier field goal. I think that's the game that's going to come back to bite the Seahawks, right? Really? They yeah, should have won sense. that game. Yeah, they should have won that game. Uh, if you look at the Rams and another team, I think uh, that people aren't talking about of the Green Bay Packers. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to get better the second half of the season as Jordan Love continues to get more comfortable as a starter. He's played really well the last three weeks of the season. But the Seahawks, I don't think it's a must win just because I think they got to get one of these next three, right? If you look at the last three games, the, the schedule kind of eases up for them. But they got to get at least one of these wins. They got to be able to finish the season, I would say, nine and eight at the very worst. And if they do, I think they still have a chance to get in. But the, the next three are a gauntlet for them, right? I think they have the Eagles, they have the Cowboys Thursday, and I think they got the 49ers one more yep. time. So Brutal. they got to they gotta get one of those games. I don't know which one, but they got to get hey, one. Here's of the them. thing, though, it's like, A, the Seattle-Arizona series has always been competitive in that division, regardless of where the two teams yeah. are. It's always competitive. Tyler's back, too. You play Tennessee in Tennessee, they're unbeaten right now at home. Like, yeah. That's not that's not it. as well. Jaguars are going to be in trouble week 18. <laughs> <laughs> but All right. like, you look through their schedule, like, I would make the case, like, again, same thing. If you want to assure yourself a playoff spot, you got to win four of their next six. And yeah. with the Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, at Tennessee, Pittsburgh, at Arizona, I don't know, man. Like, I think you maybe could find three wins in there, but – that's yeah. just that's a gauntlet of a I, I believe two teams in. in the NFC will get in at nine and eight. Uh, one team, so one, one team in the NFC is going to get in at like seven. Well, of uh, course, seven, one of the teams in the NFC South division winner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. then it's who's the next team, which will probably be a seventh, you know, wild card team. 
Yeah. I mean, basically drop like I mean, although you guy, you look at the you look at the games that they dropped. They got swept by the Rams, of course. That's what's gonna they need that's to split. That's what I said. Those two games are gonna come back to hurt too. They need to split with the Rams. I mean, you you know, if you split with the Rams, the division opponent that happens. Um, they they need the way, to win that. They they got they got a weekend Joe Burrow. They should have beaten the Bengals then. I mean, it's just you know it's tough. The Rams schedule the rest of the way in comparison to Leger's point. I mean, you're in yeah. Cleveland this week. You know, excuse me, Cleveland's coming to you this week. We don't even know who their quarterback's oh, for you. Yeah. Maybe even Miles Garrett's not there. Yeah. Uh, you obviously have Baltimore. That's going to be a tough one. But then Washington and New Orleans at home. And they have to go to the Giants, to San Francisco, which at that point. But because the, but, but, because the 49ers and the Eagles are playing this week, there's a really good chance that they'll know exactly. the Niners and the Eagles will know who the one seed is going to be. Because if the Eagles yeah. win that game, like the Eagles the, are going to be the one seed. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. But if if the if the 49ers win, they got to keep winning. Maybe they need that win at the end, and they play everybody, yeah, and that might sure. knock the Rams but, out. But the point is, like, of their next six games, if you really look at it, I think Two, it looks like it's a lot easier than Seahawks. They're not playing starters, so they will yeah. only be. They will be favored in all but two of those games, and they will be favored in all but one of those games that the Niners sit near the starters. All right, so at Fanduel.com, sportsbook.fanduel.com, mm-hmm. Cowboys minus nine. Over under 47 Ooh. and a half. Who you got? Everybody's picking, everybody's picking the Cowboys to win, so you got to get the spread. Yeah, I'm laying the points. I, I Again, I think I have a better idea of what Dallas is going to be at home versus what Seattle is going to be in that environment on the road. So I don't love it. I think you can make a case for how Seattle can keep it within the number easily. But I just I also feel like we see sometimes, like whether it's San Francisco or Dallas, some of these teams, even Miami is like, when they play at home, it's just a different animal, different challenge. Yep. And and there's other teams that go on the road. They don't necessarily perform same, the, the, quite the same way. So I'll lay the points. Well, if you look at it, though, the Seahawks on the road versus NFC teams are 3-0 and against the spread this year. Right now, they've struggled on Thursday games. Right, They're 0-3 the last three Thursday night games. So something's going to have to yeah. give. I just think the big question mark is Kenneth Walker. It's really a true Thursday know. game, though, right? I mean, they've had basically Yeah, it's, yeah it's true. Yeah, it's, yeah. So. yeah. Um, Kenneth Walker is the big question with the oblique. I, I, I love Jack, Zach Charbonnet, but they, they need Kenneth Walker back like yesterday. I think getting Abraham Lucas back at right tackle is massive for them because they started Jason Peters at right yeah. tackle last week. So that and then DK Metcalf, for some reason, and Brady, you, you alluded to this, for some reason, DK Metcalf and Gino, it's just been weird. There's certain games where they're just off. Like last week, there were so many times on goal balls, you would see that connection hit all the time last year. Yeah. Last week versus San Fran, one time DK didn't get his feet inbounds. One time uh, Gino sailed the ball, right? And then there was another time that DK dropped the ball. So they need to get that connection back going. I- I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks plus nine. I- I'm going to trust Pete Carroll to, to get his team ready to- for them to understand that this is a playoff-type game. We talked about the schedule coming up. If they have any inkling of a chance to stay in the playoff hunt, then I don't, I don't know if they win this, but I think it's a close game. I think I, I, I like the Seahawks plus nine, even though the Cowboys have been obliterating everybody at home. Yeah, I begrudgingly got the Seahawks against the spread as well, but terrified of the of the of the Cowboys and happy for my fantasy purposes if Dak Prescott goes B A N A N A N A S. You know what? You know what's, what else? I know we got to go, but what's interesting too, Brady? That last game, Tariq Woolen got benched, right? I think that's something the Cowboys, if he's back out there, they're going to try to get him involved in the run game uh, in those perimeter runs. Tony Pollard's really come on lately the last couple games on those perimeter runs. Uh, we know Devin Witherspoon's not afraid to tackle. He loves he loves he loves, he loves contact. He's such but a good player. Tariq, He's awesome. Yeah, Tariq Woolen is a guy to watch if they put him back in the starting lineup in regards to forcing him to tackle on perimeter runs. All right. 
Good stuff, fellas. As always, uh, make sure and hit the like button. Subscribe on YouTube. Give us a five-star rating if you're listening on any of your podcast uh, platforms where you might be checking this podcast out. We're back tomorrow with our best bets for uh, for week 13. I went 6-0 on the non-Thanksgiving slate. Thank you very much. Don't ask Big for you. The, don't ask about the Thanksgiving slate. For Brady, <laughs> for News, I'm Brinson. We'll see you guys later. Have a good one.